The New York Times best-selling series continues with... Ozma of Oz, L. Frank Baum, Eric Shanaway, Scotty Young. Hardcover on sale now, wherever books are sold. To find a comic store near you, visit www.comicshoplocator.com. Marvel! Listener to our podcast, Jeff and Bird present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of comics that include a member of the most underrated Marvel series from the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adjacent adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. Random banter all I ever wanted. Random banter had to get away. Random banter meant to be spent alone. Random Banter time, buddy. Talk to me. Tell me tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia today. I know the song. All I ever wanted. Vacation. Vacation. Get away. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. why would I pick that? Because the FF, the Future Foundation Kid, the Smarty Pants Brigade, they are going on a little Alps vacation. That's right. Little ski trip. Little uh, little little get away from it all. Little get out in the mountains. Little get some fresh air. When the world is about ready to go boom. You want to take a little break and know what better place to take a break than the mountains. Nice, clean air. When a world-threatening experience is going on, go to a different part of the world where it's not happening. And that would be where they went to. I like it. I like it. Jeff, (laughs) I want to start some random banter with one word and one word alone to tell you what has been on my mind the past Mm. couple of weeks. Yes. Believe. 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 And you are not in the know, because I'm pretty sure you do not have Apple Plus TV. I do I, not. I went ahead and got Apple Plus TV because I wanted to watch this TV show. Ted Lasso. I believe, because Ted Lasso, let me tell you, that show, that show. <sighs> it is amazing. I have been, I piecemeal the episodes together on YouTube. And it's not an ideal way to watch it, but it has allowed me to watch it, and I enjoy the heck out of it. Ted Lasso is amazing. Uh, the characters are great. The growth, the growth of the characters, the storylines, everything about it is so good. The pop culture references, the pop culture references, choice. <laughs> so much good. I've been seeing a lot of people really complaining about the third season. I'm like, why? See, don't get too far into it because my wife and I just finally made the third season. We've been okay. doing one, two, possibly three episodes a night because it's that darn that, good. It is that and we good. Are it just is. at the beginning of the third season. And you know what? I like this show a lot. I like mm-hmm. some of the messages that are in there. I like the hope messages. I like the being able to influence people without influencing people mm-hmm. and just the goodwill that's there. It is really neat. Killing them with kindness. It is amazing. Just, uh, what is interesting on the show is that when it was in development, Ted Lasto was supposed to be a lot more narcissistic, mm-hmm. caustic, aggressive, mean person. And because of the political climate that happened, Jason Sitka said, you know what? No, he needs to not be that. He needs to be just the giving, caring, kind person. I love the, the way that they just went into it, where it was very, it's very much of the, I'm a coach, I'm on a sport, I'm coaching a sports team. I don't care if the team wins or loses, as long as my players, these young men, grow into being the best men they can be. I mm-hmm. want them to be the best version of themselves, and everything beyond that doesn't matter in the game. Yeah. As If they can be players on the pitch, that ever that you would want to be around and it, it's neat to see how he takes this really broken club and with just all these incremental little interactions starts changing everybody yeah. people become leaders people become kind people you know unite and, and believe and work together and become better versions of themselves i recently watched the two nbc little mini commercials that they made that created <laughs> Ted Lasso, and mm-hmm. they are such completely different character than the Ted Lasso. They go mm-hmm. on more on that mean, aggressive, very caustic character that they were going to create, and I could see it when you said that, but this is a better version that they created oh. for this show, and it's 
just enjoyable. I really like it. Like I said, I like the witticisms. I like the inside jokes between Coach Beard and Lasso. <laughs> I love the different relationships that develop. And I keep telling my wife, I'm like, I like that relationship. I like those two mm-hmm. together. I like I like seeing that interactions. Yep. And it's just enjoyable. Hey, football is life. Football is life. <laughs> and I, I don't want to be, I do not want to be like a wig bomb inside of a teepee. <laughs> Too tense. Too tense. <laughs> Too tense. <laughs> so good. I, yeah, I like seeing the journeys of all the characters and how Ted has just brought the best out of everyone that he encounters. It's so neat. So great. That's my thing is, is I believe. Yep, believe. All right. Anything else? I mean, I think that pretty much wrapped up. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, co- that covers Ted Lasso. Yeah. That covers Ted Lasso right there. <laughs> yeah, you want to add anything are. else? Or <laughs> I could talk about any number of things, but I could uh, hit on those on another day. Move on to the show. Okay. We can do that if you give us a two-sentence replay of the last episode. In the 29 out of the 96 pages that we covered, the Kree Supreme Intelligence is reborn, and it wants all life on Earth destroyed as its birthday present. So a Kree Armada sets out to do just that. But they will have to contend with all of Earth's, I mean, New York's mightiest heroes who set out to stop them. Meanwhile, Annihilus catches wind of this and doesn't want anyone else to destroy the Earth, so he orders the start of the Annihilation Wave, where all of his bug agents on this side of the fence attack the Baxter Building and open the portal to the Negative Zone, ensuring the doom of Earth. Now that the, oh, yeah, uh, an alive Johnny Storm was on the other side of the Negative Zone portal holding a leash to the collared Annihilus, two sentence replay is over, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. Why don't you go ahead and believe in the power that I'm going to give you by reaching in that bag? All right, boss, I'll do that. <laughs> it's not going to be a biscuit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Diamond dogs! What we have is Urban Roots Brewing. So many promises. Classic English style pale ale. And it has a uh, two hands shaking in front of a bouquet of wheat. Hmm. Let's see. Uh, Two hands meeting. What do we got going on here? We have an agreement that there was an image in this book of two hands shaking, and it was Valerie, Valeria's and uh, Dr. Doom. There was an agreement that way. So there's so many promises because Reed is promising to lobotomize Doom if he doesn't do what Alternate Reed wants to do. Doom is promising to flay the skin off of Alternate Doom's <laughs> thing. Nathaniel is promising lots of stuff and keeping a lot of stuff close to the vest. A lot of promises going on. So many promises. A lot of promises. There's a promise of shelter. There's a promise of being free. There's a promise of everything working out okay. And there's a promise of no more lies or secrets. But that's all there is. There's so many promises. (laughs) Yeah, I just thought that this was good for this issue here. And this is... An English Pale Ale collaboration with our friends at Berryisa Brewing Company. It's no secret that both of our breweries love traditional English styles, and we also share admiration for Landlord Pale Ale from Timothy Taylor. So when it comes time for us to collab, it was kind of a no-brainer, and thus we present to you so many promises. Beer features 100% Simpsons Golden Promise, Simpsons Malt, Malted Barley, Styrian Golden Hops for a classic English Pale that's malty, fruity, and spicy, 4.2% ABV. Very clear. A lot of bubbles, a little bit of foam. Okay. It looks like the unhazed version of the lager that we had earlier. Oh my, I like this. Here's the thing though. I am getting almost no notes off this. This <laughs> is like a dead nose to me. It, it's got a little bit of like a cereal smell mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. But kind of a wheat kind of cereal. But I'm not getting real heavy aromas. No real smell. The taste is mm. very tasty. Taste-wise, that's... Uh, mm. Malty? Yeah, it's, it's got a very grainy. A very yeah. grain forward flavor to it. Malty, fruity, spicy. There's a little kick. It's just a little tingle. That's it. That's the spice. Yeah, I can see that. It's kind of a cardamom, kind of a... Hmm. I could be wrong on that. <laughs> There's a very minor spice going on there. Yeah. For the most part, though, I'm getting very grain-intensive bread flavors. Yeah, huh. yeah. I like it. That's refreshing. Mm-hmm. That's very nice. That's an easy I, drinking beer. Easy drinking beer. This is really this easy. is this is a warm day in the pub. This is a pint that you are sharing with your buddies. This is pleasant. I'm liking it. I am liking it. 
<laughs> yeah, talking about Ted Lasso here, got that English ale there. <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps back coming back around. I don't mean it to, but it keeps on coming back around. It, it can, though. It covers so many things. It's so great. So great. I don't, I don't want to mention things because I don't think you've gotten to them yet. So <laughs> This is very tasty. This is very enjoyable. I have nothing else to say on it. I, I want you to just keep on enjoying this while we crack into a new chapter here in our ongoing FF Fantastic Four saga. Jeff, give me some opening credits, would you? FF issue number 12, January 2012. All Hope Lies in Doom Part 1. Too Many Kids. Credits. Writer, Jonathan Hickman. Penciler, Juan Babalu. Anchor, Marcella Sosa. Colorist, Chris Sotomayor. Letterer, Clayton Cowles. Editor, Tom Brevoort. Featuring the Future Foundation. Way too many kids, like Valeria, Franklin, Dragon Man, Wooville, Mick, Torgor, Tong, Leech, Artie, Bentley, Alex, and also there's Nathaniel Richards, Dr. Doom, and Christoph Renard. There is nothing more beautiful and serene than the clean and pure view of a snowy, untouched mountaintop. Look at the wonders created by eons of slow movements of the Earth. Admire those majestic peaks. Flash! Or we can just watch it all get destroyed by the top of a New York skyscraper materializing on it. This. This is why we cannot have nice things. Look on the bright side, Rick. The Smarty Pants Brigade successfully got out of the fight to destroy the Earth in New York, specifically Manhattan, the apparent nexus point of all Earth in Marvel. Way to go, Val. This is a choice that you made that I'm sure will have ramifications. Translocating the top of the Baxter building did not include the blonde dye that Alex has been using in his hair, but it did give him goggles and wavy brown locks, as well as putting everyone in similar winter costumes, which makes most basic human characters look indistinguishable, besides the length of their hair. Are you done yet? Not even close about how these characters look anymore, but let's keep moving forward. Okay, well... They successfully ran away from many of the world-ending events going on back home, but they did not take the negative zone portal with them. And if that opens, then, as Alex points out, all of the superpowered adults who have been doing this for years will need these kids' help. Or they can have a skiing holiday with biscuits and cups of hot chocolate with those little marshmallows in them. These are their choices. Well, the kids are problem solvers and not really into winter sports, so they vote for going home. But they're going to need some help to do that. Now, you may be asking yourself, how are they going to call AAA out here to get service for their busted skyscraper? I'm not going to ask that, because I have read the book and know that they are going to rely on the Triple L. What is the Triple L? The Latvian Lord League, or, to be more precise, Dr. Doom and the resources he has available to him. Because, surprise, surprise, we are on a ski holiday in Latveria. This invokes a variety of reactions from the company, some of it being the hope for violence, some being the hope for snacks. It really does not matter because the one remaining read from the alternate universe, the one with the Infinity Gauntlet that has unleashed Doom, is ready for them. Speaking of which, back in Doom's Tower, the gold and garnet gloved guy is chatting with Nathaniel Richards. Of course, Nathaniel has planned this. He invented 3D chess, you know. Unfortunately, he created and registered the patent in the future, so he is just a poor narcissist back here in the past. He also keeps referring to the alternate dimension read in a familiar way, which is annoying to the villain. Their little talk is interrupted by an alarm, letting Alt-Reed know that the Dooms are futzing with the low jack affixed to Dr. Doom's neck. Again. They enter the royal chamber, and Kristoff whines while Victor broods. Reed threatens, and Nathaniel prognosticates. It is all very touching, but it is now time to check on the kids. They are slowly hiking through the snowy mountains, and they are only thinking about how cold, tired, and hungry they are. Oh, except for Bentley. He's eyeing the two Atlanteans and is contemplating fish sticks. But where is he going to get the breading for it? Focus, man. There are Doombots approaching. Pretend to look confident, okay? Later, the kids are checking out the castle, and the Richard kids are being warmly greeted by their granddad. He pretends to be fascinated at how they got there. Even though it was his stupid idea carried out by Val. Behind every supervillain is a grandparent with a bowl of Werther's original candy from the future. Flashback. We check out a small scene between Nathaniel and Val. Val is building Bentley a lightsaber in the hopes that he will decapitate himself. It is like she saw silence on the lamb and thought that Hannibal Lecter was an amateur and a role model. Or she saw Saw and thought that Jigsaw really needed to scale back the scope creep of his traps. Work smarter 
Not harder, man. Anyway, they have a little talk, starting off with Val telling her grandpa that he should stop trying to manipulate the time stream because, you know, consequences and stuff. He reminds her that he knows she made a deal with Doctor Doom, and all hope lies in Doom. He also admits that he was the one that sent the future version of Franklin to talk to her the night of young Franklin's birthday. With the bona fides out of the way, he tells her what he wants her to do, which brings us back to our regular story. Okay. This is the part in the 18 TV show that General Hannibal Smith lays out his plan that involves an incredibly complicated machine made from a washing machine, some bullets, and a box of dog treats. Everyone seems on board but Kristoff, which is expected because no one likes Kristoff. True, true. Even Bentley gets a dig at him. Dr. Doom, meanwhile, is all on board with the plan, as long as everyone knows that he will be burning the flesh off of Alt-Reed's bones as soon as possible. Your terms are acceptable. Notice I said will be. Even Doom knows that they need all hands on deck to fend off the various armies attacking Earth, even if those hands are unstretchy ones from an alternative dimension holding a leash on Doom's neck. Speaking of which, Doom insists that the collar the Alt-Reed put on him must come off. Evil or Reed agrees to do it after they accomplish the goal, just to be sure that Dr. Doom does not run away or betray them. Doom does not run. Now that that is all clear, everyone heads back out to the top section of the Baxter building with an army of Doombots. It is time to do some heroing. But before the kids set off to do things above their pay grade, Alex notices that Val is sneaking off, <laughs> which is never a good sign. Oh, it's fine. She just went to recover the ultimate nullifier from a super secret location her dad hid it in. <laughs> of course she does. Now that they're all gathered, it's time to activate the alternative reality bridge thingy me jibiki. You know, that thing that caused this mess in the first place. The thing that linked to the reality where the reed met the other reeds, and those reeds escaped when the celestial started attacked. That bridge. Hmm, well, fire up the barbecue. It's gonna be fun on the bun. You better believe it. And the best way to look at that bun is to look at the two pieces of bread holding it together. And that would be the power pack packaging. You see what I did there? Yeah, that's what I did there. It's more mm -hmm. like a taco, really, because, you know, the way the comic book. If you read it on an iPad, I guess it could be a pita. Hmm. Okay. If you spread the comic out, it could be like a pizza. I don't know. It's a lot. That's a lot. So this cover, drawn by Steve Epting, is simple. Like most of the FF covers, they're, they're kind of simple. This is a white background. The FF is in white. And we have the Smarty Pants Brigade. Yep. Dragon Man's in the back reading a book. We've got, I always forget it. The Moloid, whose head is in a jar, he's floating up there. Then you got Bentley, another Moloid, Franklin, Leech, Alex, Artie, the child Moloid, the sitting, uh, one of the other Moloids sitting down, Val, and then the two fish kids. Yep. And they're scaled pretty good, too. It's They look like kids, they look like the ages they should be, and they look like the scaled height of what they should be. Although, I will say, Alex looks a bit like... One of those jocks who's kind of got his hair too long. A little just bit, yeah. His hair is different. It's also much browner than it is blonde in this. Yeah. Uh, you can tell. I can tell that it's Alex. But here's the problem with Alex in general. And it's not Alex's fault. Oh, I'll blame him anyways. Well, let's blame him. Alex's problem is that he cannot convey what he looks like to artists. So they just <laughs> place him at whatever height scale they want, whatever age scale, and whatever fitness level they want. He is either a scrawny, scrawny three-year-old or he is beef made out of beef. Or somewhere in between. He's either nine feet tall or three feet tall. He's a, he's an above average height, 19 or 20 year old kid who's really thin and blonde haired. It's not that hard, folks. Yeah. Well, here he's 17, I think. But you wouldn't know it by looking at him normally. <laughs> yeah. His, again, the age scales are all over the place. He's either 12 or he's 58 or he's nine feet tall or three feet tall. Anyways, a dripping wet 80 pounds, or he's 260 pounds of pure slab, you know? <laughs> now, all that said, I like this. It's got a feeling of, I think this is actually computer colored, but it's got a feeling of paint brushed. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And, and so we've got, I kind of accept the kids look a little bit different because it's kind of that more realistic drawing, which is interesting because Steve Epting's been doing a lot of the covers and it's showing a different range of his style on this, which I think is kind of neat. His covers have looked neat, but keep in mind for most of his covers, he's been hampered by the FF costumes of 
they're monochrome. They're white yep. to black kind of thing. So it's just like, well, this is what I can do. I can do. And even here, he has a, a pure white background. Yeah. But he gets to do some color popping on the characters. They're wearing purple pants and purple shirts and red shirts and blue shirts and black shirts and blue jeans. He gets to actually have some color going on. It is at the golden hour of daytime where it's the golden sun is coming in, bathing sure. everything and kind of sepia toning things out. But he gets to actually play with colors now, which is great. You got some fashion going on. Uh, most of the kids are wearing Converse. Alex looks like he's just wearing some tennis shoes. There's individuality here, which is kind of neat to see as well. And it looks like they're just they're standing from a cl- for a class portrait. So I kind of like this. I kind of like this. Yeah. yeah, it really is class photo day, and this is the picture of the class. Yep. Now, now we will go ahead and talk about the elephant in the room, and that's the Oof. inside artwork. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oof. How you doing there, Jeff? There's oh boy, there are some bits that do look good. The landscapery looks mm-hmm. pretty neat. Everything else is a stylized melted mess where you can't. It is so you can tell who the characters are. Yes, you can. You However, have to work at it. That is because some of them are Dragon Man. And the dragon man that they make is super bestial, giant, hunch, creature, monster thing. A floating head, some moloids. But any of the baseline human kids, I could hardly tell Val from Bentley. From A kid would appear and say something, and I'm like, is that Alex or is Alex a brunette now? Is that Bentley? No. Bentley is... Okay, I can tell it's Bentley because he's saying, ha ha, let's kill somebody. Uh, you know, it's, you cannot tell what the characters look no. like. It takes, you can tell, but it takes a lot of work. It is not instinctive. And the characterizations, the characters that are saying the words, I swear to you, they change sometimes because there's some things oh, that, there's yeah. some things that people are saying, which I'm like, that doesn't belong in that character's mouth, but mm-hmm. I blame it on the art, not the writing. I yes. think the, the writing is supposed to be going to that character. But they've got the wrong one there. So here's the one thing I will say about the art style that I like. I like the fact that we are on a kid's adventure. Mm -hmm. And it breaks from what we're seeing with Hickman's other work with the main Fantastic Four issue. They got the main artist over there. They brought this artist into the kid's world. And I'm like, this art style is in the right direction for what I want to see kind of of the kids' adventure. It's kind of like what we were talking about last issue with the FF600, uh, where there was a story of Franklin and Leech, and it was more of an arti- kind oh, of yeah. cartoony drawing. Yeah. I like that concept, and I think that's kind of what they're going here, but I just don't like the style. No, the style is not good. It's Mobius-esque in the sense it has that kind of rounded kind of feel to it. Um, things are almost a little drippy. In a sense, where things aren't really distinctively lined. They're kind of like a molten wax line kind of a deal. So it's interesting in that way. If you are going for a visual cue of this is the Smarty Pants Brigade adventure, you can tell immediately because the art style is so disparately different. Yeah. So it is good for that. It does distinctly say this is a different team of the team you know doing a thing. So it's good for that. Yeah. But it is hard art. There are places, you're right, there are places I do like it. When we go back in time and we see the conversation between Nathaniel and Val, I like that art. But I can tell who the characters are because not only for height difference, but they've also got different costumes. And it's very clear who is who in this. The external snow costumes that they all put on make them indistinguishable, and the hairstyles are just bonkers. Well, it's uh, you can tell Val because she's wearing a blue bandana on her head. Sure. And then it is really hard with Franklin because there's one where I'm pretty sure he's forefront and center, and his hair looks a certain way. And then in it, the very next panel, I think he's got goggles on. Yeah. And his hair ch- style has changed entirely, which is why I'm like, is this Alex talking now? But now Alex is a brunette. I'm not sure who's talking, but somebody said something. Okay, we're just moving story along. Whoever character it is said a thing. It did make it very difficult. I think the art style made the movement of the plot very difficult. And the plot is very simplistic in this one. Yeah. But is this the best way that they could have done this? They destroyed the top of a skyscraper Mm -hmm. and a very pristine 
piece of land of the world of this wonderful mountaintop here. The mountains in the distance, it'll recover, maybe. Moving all of this property from one side of the world to the other side of the world, this seems incredibly destructive and wasteful for what they're oh. trying to do. Yes, oh, I it know is. that they need to get all the kids over, and I think that they also need to get this bridge portal over, and they need yeah. to get the superstructure over. Fine. Is this really the best way that they could have done this? I'm like, Nathaniel, you are from the future. Could you have come up with anything better than this? <laughs> yeah, it is destructive and pointless and ridiculous and a massive effort to recover from on all sides of the things where Doom would be like, I want my mountain clean. Could we get that junk off there? He'll just send Doom bots. To be fair, Doom's Doom's got his own problems right now. Doom only has one thing he cares about, and that's getting this collar off his neck. Yeah. That's all he cares about. And yeah. <laughs> since Val is doing this, Val can never, ever do any wrong in her godfather's eyes. Yeah. Well, it was fun because there was a thing in there, too, when she made the lightsaber talking about how stupid it was. And then she was like, wow, this is pretty cool. I'll keep it. And Nathaniel was like, do it. Keep it. You made it. Yeah. She's even calling him on. I was like, aren't you supposed to like teach me kindness and, and generosity? And he's like, why? Yeah. <laughs> like, why would you care about that? My last name is Richards. What <laughs> do you want from me? <laughs> Are you expecting some sort of comfort and parenting from me? Come no, on. Where do you think your dad on. learned this from? I mean, honestly, looking at Nathaniel, Reed, and Dr. Doom, there are times <laughs> I think that Dr. Doom may be her best father. <laughs> Potentially. And that's not good. <laughs> yeah, that's, not a, that's, that's not a good ranking. He's the absolute best at the bottom of the barrel. Wow. <laughs> I want to talk about one more wasteful thing in here because it seemed like a padding thing. Uh-huh. Where they crashed the building accidentally into the mountain. She didn't want it to go there, but it... Yeah, to be fair, I don't think it was... They parked it. <laughs> they parked it. Franklin Astor is just like... Did you mean to put it here? And she's like, well, not here. So I think she wanted it somewhere closer. Maybe closer, yeah. To Uncle Doom's house. They're leaving and they're like, we need to trek across this mountain range and get over there. And they are they need to go and they're cold and they're tired and they're hungry. And oh, it's so very hard. If only they had superpowers where like somebody could control gravity and somebody else could fly them over to Doom's house <laughs> instead of walking through the mountain passes. They, uh, Alex got scrubbed, man. They completely always forget about everything about him. He could have made this a real easy trip. He could have said, oh, I see that we've crashed our building in a mountain range. I'll just pick it all up. Could somebody fly us to where we want to go? They didn't do that, obviously. No. It was frustrating. It was a thing that frustrated me because again, oh, Alex is here. What does he do? He wants to go back and help the heroes. What else does he do? Stop talking. We're done. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, whatever. Whatever. I, I don't, I mean, it's just a thing. It's yeah. a thing. They, Alex has got his own thing he's doing there. He's part of the voice of reason. He seems like a little bit more flexible dragon man, I guess we can call him. So, okay, that makes I, sense. I mean, whatever. They don't use his powers enough. That's okay. He's he's the only one that really has powers in that team. Except it's for true. God Franklin. You know, Franklin could have done it himself, too, but he should be saving his power. Anyway, <laughs> you know, this is, once again, this is just another movement piece is what this is doing. Mm -hmm. A lot of the real work is going on over the Fantastic Four. This is what the kids are doing. Mm -hmm. They are bringing this portal to Doom, Alt-Reed, and Nathaniel. Yeah. They've got a role to play. Which is to move story to get to different story. Right. Next issue, they're really going to be describing exactly what their goal is. And this is part of Nathaniel's big plan. This is a giant thing that's going on. This is one of these times and events that it's occurring. Things need to be set up a certain way. And he has played all the pieces and he's put all the pieces into place. And he's been using Val mm -hmm. to, to get this done. And Val has been doing all the secrets. And Val has been mm -hmm. doing all the movements. And it's a thing. And Kristoff is annoying. <sighs> yeah, basically. I don't know what Kristoff does. He is a character that I know exists that I keep forgetting about. It liter He literally gets off screen and I forget about him. And that's exactly what Doom wants. Mm -hmm. He is exactly what Doom wants. Doom does not need anyone that has any ambition besides to be the best alternate Doom that there can be. Yeah, it's support structure. Yeah. And not even alt-Doom. It's just support for Doom. Yeah. It's like, what can I do to support you? You yeah. need me to be doomed for a bit? You bet. Am I doing it? Did I did it did I do it right, Father? Are you proud of me, Dad? Am I am I dooming it right, Dad? <laughs> Dad? Yeah. Yeah, this is right out of succession. This is Logan Roy and his sons. I mean, this is woo. <laughs> Still haven't seen it. So yeah. Anyways, 
Kristoff is there as well. They've got the building. They've got the portal. They're going to turn on the portal, and they're going to deal with the mess that all of the Council of Reeds left behind when they ran away. You remember what's on the other side of that portal? Bunch of Celestials. Bunch of, bunch of angry Celestials. Angry Celestials. That's what we got coming up, folks. That's what's going on. For now, though, let's get in and talk some final thoughts. Let's talk about the Gallery of Greatness. Jeffrey, what piece of art in this book needs to be printed out and slapped onto those busted, broken walls <laughs> that are slowly filling up with snow that are now in the Latvian Alps? All right. Well, my joke backup one is on page 13 of Marvel Unlimited, and I call it, and that's how Grandpa died. I called that one, watch it, kiddo. That's my same exact one. <laughs> this is where uh, Valeria has made the lightsaber for Bentley that she's showing off and go, wow, this is actually pretty cool. And she just swings it blindly in a room while her grandpa's standing right behind her. And he kind of leans back a touch to get out of blade length. He leans back a lot. Yes, a but in my lot. opinion, it is not far enough. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was right there with you on watch it, kiddo. That that's that was a good one. That was a good one. Okay. <laughs> My top joke one is during the trek over from the crash site over to Doom's Latveria, <laughs> Bentley's hungry and he makes a joke about frying up the fish kids. Yep. And the fish kids give him a side eye. Yes, give him they do. A visible side eye. Yeah. The heck? And yeah, I found that enjoyable. <laughs> it's, it's a good one because it is very much of the, there's the, the standard level of, all right, it's Bentley. We got to just whatever. And then there's the, that is about a step too far there, son. Yeah. So, yeah, that makes sense. That's a good one. But let me tell you about my top joke one. And it is on page four of Marvel Unlimited. And I call it Extra Kid. Mm -hmm. And there is an extra kid in here because there is either an extra brunette or there's an extra blonde because, hey, well, let's see who has brown hair, Bentley, and who has blonde hair? Well, there's Franklin and there's Val and there is Alex, except Alex is portrayed as having brown hair in this one. So there is Jeff, I'm gonna stop you there's right either there. an extra brunette or there's an extra blonde. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you right there. I, I think you're just doing a low blow on the artwork on here. And I'm going to say that you've got it all wrong. See, what happens is they just broke this building. They crashed this building down. This mm -hmm. is one of Reed's little devices that all of a sudden popped up a random person, little hologram. It's a security oh, okay. measure. That's all it is. It's, it's just the Herbie hologram. Yeah. Sounds good. Move on, good. man. Move on. All right. We'll do that. But let's, there's an let's... extra kid. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Let's get to the good art here. My good art, second page, bottom panel. Mm, nice. The translocated building has crashed on the mountain. And there's this plume of flame coming up. And it is just, we have made an entrance, folks. We it have is cool. made an entrance. So, it yeah, is I very like cool. Yep. That's on page three. That is a good looking one. Mine is on page seven. And I call it Overlook. And this is alt read looking out over the landscape and looking at the mountain range. And he's talking about, well, it appears we're going to have some company. But it's just, he's in a high-tech gazebo looking out at the kind of medieval landscape and the snowy mountains and trees. And I'm like, that's cool. I like yeah. that. A lot of, like you said, a lot of the background artwork is really good in this. And it's much better than the close-up artwork of the kids. It really is. Yeah. It, good on structures, bad on face. Speaking of structures, my top one is the last page. And this is Portal. This is mm -hmm. where they're standing in front of the portal inside the broken building. And it's a very cool picture. Lots of gizmos, lots of kind of interesting architecture and light. All of the kids and Doom and Walt Reed and Nathaniel standing around. It's it's a lot and it's pretty good. I think that this is, is this is a lot of good work on this one. So it was on my list and it didn't make it because on page four is Dragon Man's Castle. Which I totally dig. This is after the kids have crashed the building into the mountain. It's a snowy mountain landscape with the building on there. And all the characters are just in the background on like a parapet. And it just looks cool. And I call it Dragon Man's Castle because Dragon Man in this is a huge, giant, beast, dragonoid thing. Little figure, you know, little human figurines next to it and this big winged thing next to it. And I'm like, that's cool. That looks like a castle and that's Dragon Man's Castle. Yeah, yeah. 
I would agree. I would agree. Okay, Jeff, you've been ripping on the artwork a lot tonight, and I want you to stop doing that for a second, and I want you to insult some kids. And the best way you can do that was with some rubber and glue moment. What was the best or most childish insult? Now, I'm still trying to figure out who said this. It should have been Bentley. <laughs> but I hope he likes getting punched in his big, stupid nose. And he's talking about doom. <laughs> Same. And I'm going to say that that's Franklin. Because the story of this goes, you know, it's saying where they're at. And they're like, we're at Uncle Doom's. And somebody goes, oh, Val. I'm going to assume it's Bentley because mm. on the thing underneath them. I hope he has snacks. I hope he likes getting punched in his big, stupid nose. It, I'm guessing it's Franklin. Because it's blonde, it's not brunette. I was guessing that too, but it shouldn't come from Franklin. Because yeah, I know. <laughs> it, it's just I, I'm I'm going to let's leave Lard alone. I am thinking that it should be Bentley that's saying that. I'm going to say that that was Bentley saying it. Okay, you can say that. I still think it's Franklin. It did not fit, mm-hmm. but I thought it was a good insult. Yes, yes, very much. So. And again, didn't know who said it. We still have no idea. Maybe it's <laughs> Alex. Maybe it's no. Bentley. Maybe it's Franklin. Maybe it's, it's that extra kid that we picked up on the panel it's, before. It's a it's a Bentley line. Speaking of Bentley, my top one. Jerk Reed has a point. A good supervillain doesn't do freaking out. You are freaking out. It's embarrassing. <laughs> Followed by Val. And they, they're talking about Kristoff here. Followed by Val mm-hmm. soothing his ego so she can get the Doom bots. Yeah, <laughs> so, which was really great. It was obvious as well. And it was hilarious. That is a good one. Bentley's got the... Absolute perfect line there. Jerk Reed has a point. A good supervillain yep. doesn't do freaking out. You are freaking out. It's embarrassing. <laughs> Thank you, Bentley. Thank you. Thank you, Bentley. <laughs> My top one is on uh, page 13, and it's a uh, Val after uh, it's the flashback, and Nathaniel comes into her room going, oh, what are you working on, young lady? And she says, Franklin and Bleach showed Bentley Star Wars for the first time last night. Now he won't shut up about needing a lightsaber to f- fulfill his destiny of becoming a Sith Lord. I'm hoping if I build it for him, he'll cut his own head off or something. Idiot. <laughs> and, uh, oh, I'll build you what you want because I know you'll kill yourself with it because you're an idiot and I want you dead. Just the, the, the relationship between Bentley and Val is, is something for the ages, I think. <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay because at the moment, there are parents in the room. Mm-hmm. Sure, I guess there are. But there is parents in the room and we need to figure out who is the parent of the year award. For this issue, the Reed Richards Award for Good Parenting, I'm giving mine to Dr. Doom. Same! In the sense of a good parent. Mm, no, actually Ooh, not. Ooh, you're doing I'm going, the other way. negative. Okay. Uh, con- congratulations, you have raised a whiny man baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just look at Kristoff and I just say, well, this is what you get. Yeah. This is what you, you get. I mean, good job, Doom. That's yeah. what you raised. <laughs> yeah. They are their own people, but when you look at your child, you are looking at a reflection of yourself and mm. the and mm. the problems that you created for them. I fully approve of your saying he's the bad the the bad the joke version of the parenting thing. I'm actually going for Doom as the good version of a parent because he was telling Kristoff, calm down, be patient. It's okay. Things are going to work out. We just need to bide our time. We will do the thing, but be patient. And I liked that about him. He was being soft-spoken and just encouraging patience, which is a, a tribute that needs to be done a lot, oftentimes. The only reason he did that is because there were people in the room. If there weren't, oh. he would be dope-slapping the child. <laughs> <laughs> I get right, where well, you're we coming p- from. I we get picked the same. From. Yep, we, we both understand each other's pick of the same <laughs> character for the exact opposite reasons, which is great. <laughs> All right. Most popular in Shun, who is the best in this issue? Who is the worst? I'm going to say it right now. We've already said it enough. I don't think there's going to be any doubt. If you chose anybody differently, you are off the podcast. The worst is Kristoff. Just shut up, man. Shut up. Shut up, Kristoff. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, it's been a lovely 139-issue run with you there, buddy. Uh, who is I've, worse than Kristoff? Kristoff is a great choice, and I want to rearrange my pick now, but I've got it written in ink, and I don't have an eraser that gets rid of that. I said Val just for generic reasons, but Kristoff is an amazing choice, and I wish that I'd picked that. I, I have to say that you're wrong, Val, because she's my best. Whoa! Her, pla- her plans are working. Her okay. plans are working. She, a little off the mark on where to pl- park it, but mm-hmm. she successfully moved the top of the Baxter building from yeah. one part of the world to the other part of the world, and nobody died. Yeah, awesome. that's impressive. She got where she wanted to go. She got to Latveria. 
She's got the pieces in place. She was given instructions. She did all the work. She figured out the math and she is, the plans are working. Things are in place and they are occurring in the right order. So I'm kind of like, you know, we may question exactly what she's doing and she's lying to people. She's keeping secrets, but all the plans are working. So Mm. I'm giving her credit for that. I could see that. I wish I had picked Kristoff now. That would have been great. But I'm going to stick with Val, due to Val reasons. My best was Alex, because first of all, he could have been any number of these children talking. I don't know who what he said that or did, because it was really hard to tell. But also, when everybody was like, oh, wow, we're here, and what are we going to do now? And he's like, we need to go back. We need to go help. Yes, we fled, but if we need to go back and help. But also, he was being a realist, and he's like, if the adults fail, and there's a good chance they will, somebody needs to come and be back up and that has to be us and we need to go back and be supportive and save the world all right yeah go do that okay all right and then he also checked on val at the end of the book when he saw her slipping off and was like hey val where are you going oh i just gotta do a thing okay you want company no i'll do it myself okay so (laughs) all right those are choices those are choices Mm -hmm. that were made here you know what else is a choice that we need to make oh boy what would be a choice that we'd have to make top grades and that's, where we, and that's where we evaluate each issue against other issues with a member of the pack in them. Something like that. You're going to mm-hmm. get it one of these days. One of these days, you two will be like Kristoff and a real boy. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> one of these days, I'm going to make Dr. Doom so proud of me. So very proud. No, you won't. Anyways. No, I highly doubt that. <laughs> All right. Top stop, we got the funeral of Johnny Storm. Unlike spot number five, which Johnny's back. In Fantastic Four number 600. (laughs) Spot number 19, we've got FF4. What do we do? How how do we defeat a plethora of reeds in the beating of the drums? Spot number 31, one of Jeff's favorite issues. War of Kings, Darkhawk number one, wanted. (laughs) And the bottom of the list, what lies beneath? Now, I got an issue with this one because I'm going to tell you right now, this is going to drop down just because of the artwork. The artwork is going to bring this one down. I get that. Storyline is decent. It's moving pieces, but we're getting there kind of slowly. That with the artwork just really is a problem for me. So, well, let's go with, let's look at another one that had art issues as well, because it was very cramped. 31, we just talked about it. The War of Kings, Darkhawk number one. Mm -hmm. I like Uh, that one better. You like that better than this? You like the story of that better? If yeah. you discount the art, okay. I I think we'd go down a bit further. FF number five, Sounds of War. Old Lance is destroyed. Reed comes clean with Sue. I think this is that one's better than this. This mm. is just moving plot forward. Mm-hmm. Ooh, well, that's dropping. Yeah. Well, then, underneath that, War of Kings, Darkhawk number two. Chris is offered a personal trainer and goes to space. Yeah, I'm... Cramped, bad, indistinguishable art. It had some good. It had some good moments, though. It had some okay moments, but they also I can distinctly remember a part in that where they assigned the wrong dialogue to the wrong Darkhawk, which we had in here as well. Which we had in here as well. Yep. So I'm I. Do you do you like War of Kings Darkhawk number two better than? Uh, yeah, I think I do. FF I'm just I, right now. I'm, right now, I'm I'm trying to figure out. I like. Loners number five, the final issue of Loners, more than I like this one. This was the the second to last one. Yeah. This was five because Loners went to six issues. So, Phil, you know, so spot 39, Loners issue number five. Phil loses it because of Mickey and Chris's relationship. You know what? You know what? It was like this one where it was just kind of moving the story forward. I could go above or below it. Where do you want it? Above Hmm. or below that one? Let's put this just above it. Right. Let's put Exiles in the new 39 spot. Let's put this issue of FF in the new 39 spot. I said Exiles, didn't I? You did say Exiles. Yep. Whoops. All right. We'll make this the new number 39. It, it's the artwork. It really is the artwork. Oh, it is hard. It is really, really rough. I fully understand how the artwork draws draws you away from it. Again, I've had that had that problem with the series that I was reading when the art changed and I hated the art. I'm thinking New Mutants pops into mind where I was enjoying it and the art changed and I don't think I lasted five issues with the with the art change that happened in it where I was like, I, I can't do this. I don't like it anymore. All right. Well, what do you think of the, of the beer? Is this the beer better than the art? Yeah, the beer is a lot better than the art. I've been enjoying this. I'd hammer this down. This is... It's a decent beer. It's not the most amazing thing in the world because it it is really good for what it is. And what it is, something that tastes a lot like bread. Yeah, which it I don't is, have a problem with. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that either. It's inoffensive. It's really mild. It's a very easy drinking beer. Is it 
amazing. Does it make me jump with joy? No, it doesn't have chocolate in it. No, it doesn't taste <laughs> like candy. But that's okay because sometimes you need a good beer that tastes like bread that's just hearty and thick and sticks to you. And for me, it's a good 3-5. I'm going to go with four. Urban Roots Brewing, So Many Promises, Classic English Style Pale Ale. I like this. This is a four for me because I'm not angry at this beer. This beer just makes me happy. It's okay. a nice, pleasant drink. It has pleasant flavors. It's smooth. It's refreshing. It's enjoyable. So I'm going to go ahead and give it a four. It's not amazing. You are correct. It's not amazing. But in this case, I think the fact that because it's not just okay. Mm-hmm. That's what makes this actually enjoyable. The enjoyment makes it amazing for me. Yeah. It very competently does what it sets out to do. And it is highly enjoyable for that. Yeah. It's not a standout, but it is good. So 3.5 for you and 4 for me. Fantastic. Perfect. But let's get to a place where we do stand out. And that is Kid's Perspective. And that's where Rick talks to his 12-year-old daughter, Carrie, about the issue that we just covered. So Rick and Carrie, take it away. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Day. How are you today? Good and you? I'm okay. I'm okay. We are here to chat a little bit about a couple of comic books, right? Yeah. Cool. We're going to talk about the FF issue. You know, some stuff happened, I think. Why don't you tell me a little bit about what happened? So all the kids got... Well, they didn't die, first of all. But they all got teleported to um, another, like, green dimension? Nope. Or is it just another... Just a mountain? Just a mountain. They got teleported to a mountain. They got teleported to Dr. Doom's land. You know where that is. You've been to Dr. Doom's country before. Yeah... Okay, you've read about Doctor Doom's country before in comic <laughs> books. It's Latveria. That's where Doctor Doom has his castle and where all of his people are. That's where they went. They went to Latveria. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you think about it? What'd you think about them? How they arrived there? How they arrived there? Is there much yeah. to think about that? They got teleported along with what, like the top three floors or whatever of the Baxter Building. Yeah. 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 They they put that on a mountainside. Pretty cool, huh? Pretty cool. Yeah. The only unfortunate thing is that they have to go back because they didn't teleport the floor that had the portal. They didn't teleport the the floor that had the portal going to the negative zone, but they did teleport the portal with the bridge going to that oh. going to that alternate universe where the Council of Reeds were and where the Celestials are right now. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it's something that they need to deal with because. Those celestials are going are still trying to find yeah. all of those reeds. The reeds were trying to stop the celestials, so that's continuing. That's a problem. Yeah. 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 I'm kind of confused because in some of the panels, I think Alex has brown hair, and in some <laughs> of them, he has blonde hair. So let's talk about the art in this book. What do you think about the artwork? <laughs> I mean, it's not terrible. But you have questions, right? Yeah. Well, that's the coloring. (laughs) It's the coloring and a bit of the artwork. I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can distinguish individual characters just through how you draw them. You don't necessarily need colors, right? Yeah. I've seen you draw a number of different cats, and the way you draw the different cats with their features and with different markings, you know which cat is which, right? Yeah. So... Even before we get to the coloring, I think I've got a little bit of a problem with the artwork itself because I can't distinguish anybody. <laughs> can you? No, not really. I mean, I can tell it's Val because, like, she's the only girl, like, basically the only, like, human girl there. But, yeah. Yeah. It's just another style of art, though. Besides the confusion you've got, you actually don't mind it too much? No, it's just a different way of drawing art. Even if, like, some of us don't like it, it's just another way of drawing it. Like, we're so used to, like, what what it, like, what originally looked like mm-hmm. that we're not really used to this. And that's why we can't recognize anybody. But it's just another art style. I can see that. I can see that. I think that's a pretty good way of describing it, too. So, thank you for that, Carrie. That's a good way of looking at it. What other things in this book did you like or not like? I guess... I don't know. When Val made the lightsaber, that was kind of cool, but... (laughs) Okay. All right. Is there anything else specifically you want to talk about about this book? When Val was talking with uh, Nathaniel, 
It was mm-hmm. kind of like a flashback. He's like, you really shouldn't do that. And he's like, encouraging less than noble behavior in my grandchildren. And she's like, actually, not that either. But he's still kind of influencing her. And it's like, not good. He is guiding her to a conclusion or to do things that is going to help him in the future. He's not telling her everything and he's making her be very secretive, right? Yeah. Yeah. I question a lot of what he does and what that character does, but it makes for an interesting storyline, correct? Yeah. Okay. That is some pretty good insight that you've got there, and I'm glad that you brought it up. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) I think that's about all that we need to talk about about this issue, but I thank you very much for keeping up with this with us, and I hope you have a good day. You too. Love you. Love you. There we go. Thank you, Carrie, so much. We love your insights and the fact that you join us each and every time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Shout out time. We like to thank the wonderful people that listen to our show and get on that social media and tell us they like us. Now, social media is what it is. We aren't getting that many people that like it, but you know what? We'll take what we can get. This is for episode 136, where we covered X13, number 15, Chaos Theory, part three, and we did get some likes and shares from Hoover Jeremiah and his podcast, Four Million Years Later. Jeremy Wiggins. Matthew Birdsey. Scarlet. 24327124. We also get some people that are really nice to us and give us a little bit of money to do this show. And those are the people over on our Patreon. And we want to say thank you to adorably astonishing and amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan. Challenging, cheesy, and chuckling Charles Gears. Destructive and devastatingly delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically dangerous and devious Doug Jones. Intelligent, interesting, and innovative Isaac Perry. Jesting, joking, and jovial Jeff Polier. Just jealous and jeweled Jeremy Daw. Muscly, mighty, and meticulous Matthew Birdsey. Mythical and magnificent monologuing Matthew Laserwitz. Steely, salty, and steamy Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad and sickeningly silly Shag Matthews. Tyrannically terrifying and tame Tim Price. Way, way wordy and wobbly waffles. Weird and wonderfully wacky, win. Next issue, we are going to cover FF Volume 1, Number 13, The Bridge. Be sure to check out the other show I sometimes do, but not for a while because I've been on hiatus, and that's Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout over at the Long Box Crusade Podcast Network. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Rick Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience of nothing, just me in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to direct with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Merck Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Merck Present, our email address, Jeff and Merck Present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Merck Present.wordpress.com. Also, we have a YouTube channel at Jeff and Merck Present. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we'll be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We We love love you. you. Until next time. Costumes costumes off. off. Our theme is Gazay's Action by Kevin McLeod. Also featured in this episode is Osmosis by Keith Wolf. All music is found at Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Wah, 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 wah. Okay, ready? Mm-hmm. Flash. Penciler. One bubbly. Bubbaloo. <clears throat> Bubbaloo. 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 Flash. The kitten is like causing havoc at my door. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>